Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish. Trish, as we record this, the morning after the interview heard around the world, which I did not watch, with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, everyone's talking about the royal family, Trish. So here's my question. Who is your favorite royal, fictional or real? Fictional or real? I love Queen Victoria. I am really into the show called Victoria on Amazon Prime. And she, for anyone who doesn't know her, uh, became the queen at age 18 and reigned for many, many, many years, had oh, eight or nine children, I think eventually. But at any rate, she is absolutely feisty and amazing. If this show is any what like the real queen, which I think it came from, you know, her personal diaries and things like that and her children and other accounts. So yeah. What about you? Uh, I go King Tut probably. <laughs> you want a whole different Royal direction. I had a lot of cool stuff, a lot of good stuff in the museums. Sure. Uh, yeah. King Tut. I like those older ones. Maybe King Arthur from, from legend, Ooh. from lore. Pretty, okay. pretty good one. And maybe a runner up, third runner up Count Chocula, uh, a Royal in his own right. And uh, I like King Kong. Oh, Kong is great. King Kong is awesome. All right. There you go. Good stuff. I like it. Well, no guests today because we're doing a special show uh, that we thought would be fun is to talk about kind of the one year anniversary of COVID here in the U.S. Not that it's fun to talk about COVID, but it's it's something that you can't kind of ignore that the fact that it's been with us for a year. And we did a, we look back in the archive, Trish. We did our first HR Happy Hour show on COVID on March third of twenty twenty. And it was kind of interesting to listen back to that show uh, to see what we were thinking and saying and what some of the news were and what some of the advice was for HR folks and for workplace folks. So we'll talk a little bit about that show and what we got right and maybe some things we got wrong. But also, more importantly, I think we want to talk a little bit about moving forward and uh, what's happening in work and workplaces and some things for HR folks to be thinking about as we move forward. Um, but before we do that, Trish, I think we should thank our show sponsors. Uh, we should. Absolutely. I want to let's thank our friends at Work Human. This episode of the HR Happy Hour is made possible by Work Human. The world is watching the leaders of today and tomorrow. Modern employees want a workplace where they're respected, seen, appreciated, and heard, and they're demanding it. Employees have the right to a human workplace, and you have the power to create one. And thriving organizations like Cisco, Merck, and LinkedIn have realized the immense benefits of putting the human at the center of work. Get your copy of the book, Making Work Human, on Amazon today. We also want to thank our friends over at Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. And very appropriately, I want to tell you a little bit about what they're doing because it goes with our show. Uh, with the onset of COVID, as people might remember, Paychex quickly responded to support businesses, um, both their customers and non-customers, to help them manage the new challenges that the pandemic brought on. And so they have their COVID-19 Help Center which is the ultimate comprehensive resource hub featuring articles, videos, scenario tools, live webinars, and podcasts to provide valuable up-to-the-date insight on stimulus measures, uh, managing your remote or hybrid workforce, travel restrictions, state-specific guidance, and more. You can access that at uh, payx.me slash helpcenter today. And awesome. I want to, I want to say too, because uh, one of the things we talked about in the show is we don't want this to be just another COVID show that everybody else is doing, right? Talking about the same things. And so when we thought through 
and looked at what we talked about a year ago, which is quite shocking. Some of the things, cause we had so little information at that point, And we were really just kind of stretching our minds as to what this might turn into. Um, and as you said, we'll talk about that, but we're really going to walk, have you walk away with some concrete examples of what to do, some apps you can consider. And then again, pointing you to this paychecks resource, because, you know, they keep updating this literally daily, right? So when you're talking about hybrid workforce or what to do with your workforce, you can really follow up by continuing to go to their site every couple of days, and there's going to be something new there for you. So anyway, friends at paychecks. Good stuff. All right, Trish. A year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, we uh, were at, actually out at an event. We've talked about this on the podcast uh, a few times, and it was kind of the last event in our industry, really, that happened in person of, of note, right, of substantial. That was the first week of March of last year, and we recorded that podcast episodes back in, it's episode 415, if anyone wanted to look back at it. It's called Addressing Coronavirus in the Workplace, aired on March 3rd, 2020, and Trish, of all the things, there's one. I'll, I'll give, I guess, some kudos to you. I was one of the people who thought, "Hey, this is a two, three week thing, maybe right. a month." You kind of had a little bit of foresight. You thought we were going to be looking at about a year, uh, of, at least, right? Of, yeah. Of issues. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to laugh too. I'm going to take. I have my mask on right at the moment. I'm going to take my mask off here. Um, you know, it was interesting because that was really the time before anything had happened. You know, back on on the first week of March. And I know you're going to share some data with us in a minute about just when things really started happening, but you're right. We were really talking about it. The most shocking thing to me as we went back and listened, because we were talking about what if schools close? What if our leaders get sick, right? All these things happened, right? What, what happens if travel just can't happen anymore? It just seemed so extreme and far-fetched all these ideas. But one of the, the guys, just strangest things was that back then we were being told not to wear masks, mm-hmm. right? Because I remember you showed up at the event and you had masks. And I only looks, had a couple. And I was I, kind I, of I teasing yep. you <laughs> because at that time I, I wrote it down here, the CDC and the Surgeon General were advising against mask wearing. And they were saying that hand washing and just cleaning surfaces was enough, right? Yeah. So they still didn't even a year ago, think about that. All that we've been through in this last year and a year ago, they still didn't really know that this was spread airborne. So that's just, I don't know, shocking to me. I actually, I, you know, we, we don't go back and re-listen in depth to some of our shows and that one complete shocker. What about you? I mean, was there anything in there that surprised you that we were talking about, or did you feel like we were right on target? I, I thought we were, we were smart to advise organizations to talk to their technology vendors and to really, understand what their plans were going to be, what tools they may have available to help support that this quick pivot that most organizations had to do to remote working. I think they uh, also wanted to make sure their vendors themselves were going to be able to continue to service them, right? Because we've talked to a lot of ser- solution providers on this show and in other places, Trish, over the last year, and they also had to pivot their organizations. Our friends at Paychecks are a great example, right? We've talked right. to them on the podcast last year about how they took 15 odd thousand employees remote in something like a week, right? In order to yeah, keep a week or less. It was supporting short. their customers. So we were advising uh, our audience, right? Of HR professionals to make sure that the, they were checking in with their essential service providers like payroll and benefits, right? What's more essential than that, right? So, and I will say that was, uh, that was smart. And I also think, uh, I think we were smart to say, look, let people kind of 
adapt and, and understand how they need to adapt to this on their own terms. Right. And I think uh, that was really key, right? Because everybody is impacted, but everybody is impacted uh, really differently. Right. Like mm -hmm. um, someone made an analogy to me on this. They said something like we're, we're all in the same storm, right. But we're all in our own little boat, right. Inside that storm analogy. that is taking us all in different directions. So I thought, I thought that was in our patting ourselves on the back slightly. I thought that was all pretty good advice for the first week of March last year when we were kind of facing some really unknowns. Yeah. And you know, it was funny too. We got a lot of people who, who did listen and, and thought it was really good. And we had a little bit of criticism too. I remember there was one person who was like, this is basically who needs this, right? This is just a bunch of chatter is what they said. And I went, okay, well that's, that's possible. But I, you know what? I wish that person was right. I wish that that had been just chatter, but um, you know, it's interesting too. You, you mentioned um, paychecks just as an example. I know we've got you know, uh, we, we've seen what, uh, SAP has done and Oracle has done and cornerstone, uh, I could name vendors all day long, right. That have really stepped up and really done things to help people, um, you know, work human with mood tracker. I mean, what a perfect time it wasn't meant for that reason, but it's it just like rolled out at the right time free to everyone, whether you're a customer or not, you know, to be able to track people's moods during this pandemic. And, and as it goes on and continues still, um, one thing that struck me and we didn't talk about it then, but it strikes me now is that the fall before. So as we know, last year's HR tech, um, turned virtual, mm -hmm. right. Tech of 2020. Yes. So it was HR tech of 2019. I happened to be doing a session with Tom Hammond from paychecks. And one of the things we talked about that was so critical and it wasn't to promote paychecks in any way, it was talking about any vendor, but it was be sure that if you do anything, when you leave here, it's go talk to your vendors to find out what can they do to help you in a crisis. And we were talking about, again, natural disasters, tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, fires, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, or maybe, maybe something happening in one city or one town or something like that. Right. We were, but we were sort of giving that advice then and goodness, who knew that something would, would blow up just you know, what turned out to be six months later and, uh, and it sure did. So yeah, it was, it was important, I think, to go back and listen to that and to find out what we were right and what we were maybe not as correct on. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being really like thinking schools aren't going to close, right? That's not going to happen. Yeah. And then shortly after, can you maybe talk about some of the dates just to kind of level set? Yeah, I did a quick everyone. look back and it's interesting too. I found that early on in this pandemic, I was looking at this data every day, probably like many of us were as the things, because oh, sure. it was so new. And I, I kind of did stop I, at some point in the summertime, I kind of quit paying attention, but I'll give you a couple of quick highlights, just really quick. The first uh, case reported in China was actually December 31st of 2019. That's when they reported to the WHO. We've got some weird cases. We don't know what they are. And we've got a cluster of them, which is why we have COVID-19 and not COVID-20, because that's where the 19 comes from, right? Because right. it was reported in 19. Uh, in January 7th, China, 2020, now China identified the new virus. By January 23rd, Wuhan had locked down. By the 30th of January, the WHO declared a public health emergency we also declared a public health emergency in the United States the next day, January 31st. Fast forward just a little bit. March 11th, WHO declares a global pandemic, which is also what's known here in the U.S. among sports fans anyway, as the day of the Rudy Gobert game. 
So Rudy Gobert is a basketball player for the Utah Jazz. They were having a game that night. The NBA was already starting to test their players prior to the competing. Rudy comes back positive. It's the first known case of any of the players in the league to test positive. The game is canceled the next day. The, the NBA and, and all the other U.S. sports leagues cancel or suspend anyway the rest of their seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, March 24th, the Olympics were postponed. The U.K. goes into lockdown. Uh, March, May 27th, 100,000 deaths in the U.S. May 21st, 5 million cases globally. August 8th, 5 million cases here in the U.S. I'm going to fast forward a bunch wow. now because the more recent stuff I think we all kind of remember. Fast right. forward all the way to December 26th, one by, by December 26th, Christmas time, one out of every 1,000 Americans had died from COVID. And fast forward to today, the latest data is today, uh, 28.8 million cases in the U.S., 515,000 deaths, uh, 2.5 million deaths globally, 170 million cases. Basically, Trish, about 1.6% of the United States population has died from COVID, and we'll probably get to 2% by the time this is all over. It's a shocking number, and it's numbing to even say that out loud. And, um, and I know we all want this to be over, and we're on the way there, right? I don't have the vaccination numbers here, but... I think we're going to talk a little bit about that as it, as it pertains to work and workplaces, but just running back through real quick, like some of those points mm -hmm. of the last year, I just, it's, it's, I'm blown away. Like, I almost feel like we don't remember it well enough in, in a weird way, because we're all trying to forget, but that's, that's a story from another day. I think we need to talk a little bit more about how we're going to move forward and how workplaces and work is going to move forward. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I think it's, again, it's something we've all probably tried not to remember, but you're right early on every person I know, we were all checking our numbers daily, where we live, where we work, where we, right. Any, any in our state. Yeah. And now you're right. It does feel like I, I don't keep up on the numbers in my town anymore. I don't keep up on the numbers, even in the state of Illinois anymore. Yeah. Why is that? I wonder. And, and I don't know that it's because I just don't want to think about it. I think it just in a weird way, that is normal. People talked a lot about the new normal. That's, that's now normal. Yeah, I think, I think there's some fatigue has set in. I think there's also the fact that lots of people have had it and recovered. I know lots of people unfortunately haven't. Lots of people have had it and recovered and kind of maybe think, well, okay, I've had my encounter with this and I'm okay now or will be okay, which I think is largely, I think, true medically or at least for a while. You know what? I, I did that. It was funny. Um, it wasn't an anticipation of the show. It was just for my own medical knowledge, but I had it December 1st um, for 10 days, didn't know it, had no idea. Didn't feel like I had it. I mean, I thought I had a sinus headache and maybe a tiny bit of a runny nose, no fever, none of the other big symptoms you see and hear about. And, but I tested positive. So of course quarantined even harder than I had been, you know, I'd been careful before, but definitely went back full into quarantine, of course. And the only thing I've known, and I've talked to other people is that even if you had a very mild case, like I was lucky to have, there are still residual effects. So for example, taking in a full deep breath is actually difficult. Really? So if I'm, if I'm exercising or something, I feel like my heart is going to just race faster than normal. So I don't know. I think there are people even who didn't have it very uh, difficult who are going to have, you know, who, who knows how long uh, with symptoms that are kind of ongoing are the people who've lost taste and smell. I didn't, but I have friends who've lost that and it's been seven, eight months of no taste or smell. So wow, I think it's one of those viruses where it's so new. We just don't know. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you just in, in terms of 
how have you been coping or, or what have you been doing to kind of deal with the unknown? And that could be the unknown of your own personal protection, right? Because you haven't had it to, to your knowledge, you haven't had it, mm-hmm. or it could be the unknown from a work perspective. Just could you speak maybe to the, this idea of dealing with something that's unknown? Cause I think that's what causes the largest amount of anxiety for each of us. Yeah. I think eventually for me, it was, it was maybe stepping back from it a little bit. Cause I, I think I did find with the, the pandemic news and then the, the craziness with the election, which we're not really going to talk about, but just the, the, the news right. became so heavy in 2020 for lots and lots of reasons, both the, oh. the general news you would just watch on TV, the global news, and then in personal news, right? Because we've all been yeah. affected one way or another in our personal lives with friends or colleagues or family members getting sick. There's no way with the numbers we have in the US, there's no way you don't know someone who's had this. I think it would almost oh, be right. impossible for anyone to say, no, I don't know anyone who had this. So So for me, I started really pulling back through the summer. I actually went on vacation to this little beach a couple of times that was kind of no one around, very quiet, not a a party at all, just a rented a house at the beach. That helped me a lot in the summertime, just decompressing a little bit and getting away from it a little bit and purposefully kind of just trying to get my head right in a way. And and because we've talked about this on some of the mental health shows that we've done recently, there were problems in the world and problems in people's lives and problems in employees' lives and in their workplaces before all of this, right? Before the right. pandemic, before this crazy election, before all that. So I think it just kind of was a big pile-on effect for a lot of people. I think I, I got through it decently, but I, I do think that we have to be really, really careful that when this ends, and we're going to talk about moving forward a little bit, that we just think, okay, once the pandemic's over and everyone's vaccinated and our workplaces have reopened to whatever extent they will reopen, that everything's great. Everything's just fine now. We don't have to worry about mental health and, and well-being any longer because I think that's not true at all. Oh, I agree. I'm glad you mentioned that too because we wanted to really, like I said, make this actionable. And I do think that's one of the areas that human resource professionals and other business leaders can focus in on. We've been doing a series with Oracle over the last a little more than a month on mental well-being and and of course their AI at work study, uh, which people can go in and find out, you know, just some numbers on that. But I think that when it comes to, you know, using technology to support people's mental well-being, if you were ever on the fence about that, of, of whether or not that was important, now the data shows it is important and, and that people are open to that because the stigma is being reduced to some degree of, again, we're all facing this together. So it feels a little more comfortable telling someone I'm struggling. And if not, you know, I, I made a quick list um, and we can put these in the show notes for anybody who's listening and doesn't want to jot these down, but these are just a few. All right. And Steve, I know, um, do you want to maybe talk about un, unmind first, just because that one, I know you said was coming up in the HR tech. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unmind is a, is a newer company. It's a tech company uh, based out of the UK and they have a platform uh, to help employers provide resources for employee mental health and well-being. And it's not, uh, they're not the only company that does this. There's a few out there. And some companies are actually making, uh, uh, increasing their benefit programs and plans to provide access to these kinds of tools to their employees. But this particular one got on my radar and I, I demoed them a couple of weeks ago for the HR Tech Spring virtual event. And I loved it. I liked their point of view. I liked where, uh, I liked how the technology worked. I like how, how engaging it was. And the real big selling point for me was it's not about 
treatment after we identify that there's a problem. It's much more about prevention. And so the point mm, of view I is like, like, you know, the analogy they use in their pitches, um, you know, it, you go to the dentist preventatively, you go to the doctor preventatively, right? You exercise all the things you do to try to stay healthy before you get sick, right? At least ideally you do that. So why not do the same for mental health? Why not make mental health a priority as a preventatively, but until so we can identify things, maybe not so much identify them, but keep them from coming, coming up or keep them from being so bad. So yeah, Unmind is the name of the company and they're really cool. And you'll, you'll be able to see them at HR Tech in another uh, week and a half or so. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, for, um, you know, I've, I've used the Calm app, um, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. There's also uh, one that I know has been used a ton just from people I know is BetterHelp, mm-hmm. um, which again, starts getting into a little bit more after the problem has been identified and, you know, you're needing to talk with someone. Um, and I jotted down a couple of others that are just pretty, pretty popular right now. There's um, Pacifica, Joyable, Youper, which is Y-O-U-P-E-R, mm-hmm. Journey Meditation, and Mood Path. So again, we'll put those in the notes. It's not that we're endorsing anyone over another. It's just, we're trying to give you some resources, maybe some that you haven't heard of. And, um, you know, again, reach out. I love this idea that Steve puts out there about kind of doing this proactively because we don't want to wait until someone has problems. But, you know, again, I think it's just, this is going to change the whole world of benefits because we've been talking about wellness and well-being for over 10 years. We looked back in the show archives. So we have been talking about it, but again, it's almost like you needed some reason for it to become financially important to an organization or to many organizations. So it looks like, unfortunately, this is the, this is the event, right. That is, is sort of driving all of that, but like anything, um, you know, I think it takes 10 years or more sometimes for technologies to really start taking hold. And then that's when I think these next 10 years will really get a lot of innovation in that area, right? Because as funding goes funneled that direction, then so will the innovation. There's a, there's a great line and I can't remember who, who it's attributable to anymore, but uh, you've probably heard it, It, but it's, uh, it's the one that says we overestimate the impact of technology in the short term and Mm -hmm. underestimate the impact of new technology in the long term. And so yeah. I do think uh, mental health, well-being, wellness technologies fall squarely into that space. It's, it's, it's a little bit longer path maybe to see their impact, but um, the events of the last year, year and a half, maybe even now um, have made it so clear that uh, it's, it's critically important. I think, I think if I could think of like sort of three things that are the most meaningful or the things I'd be thinking about if I were sort of running a company or running HR, the mental health and well-being of, of my employees and, and their and their uh, loved ones and families was one. And we've talked about that. The next one to me, Trish is safety. And I mean that physically. And I, yes. I especially mean it for, we did a great show with uh, Martin Hartshorn not too long ago from when I work talking mm-hmm. about shift workers and hourly workers. So I specifically am thinking about those populations, those populations of people that have had to continue to go to work. And I mean, to right. right. In that, in, the, in that, uh, sense, uh, their safety and well-being. it was for a while it was PPE. Right. But now it's right. things like lots of States are starting to roll back things like mask mandates around our country and, mm-hmm. uh, frontline workers, retail workers, Trish, literally every day you can go on the internet and see, you know, retail workers in an argument with somebody in a store over masks. And it was happening right. before we started rolling back mask mandates more widespread. 
and now it's happening even more. So, uh, and then, and then the flip side of that, or a corollary to that is vaccinations, whether or not employees are going to require employees to get employers are going to require employees to get vaccinations and whether or not they're going to provide some support for employees to get vaccinations. I've done a lot of these on Alexa, Trish, over the last month or so, lots of organizations in retail, outward facing customer facing organizations, uh, have provided incentives such as additional pay time off and uh, bonuses potentially for their employees to go get vaccinated. That's a really important thing, right? Because we know as a society, we need X percent of people to get vaccinated in order to achieve the kind of return to normal that we all want. Employers play a really, really critical role in helping lots of people, uh, giving them a better access and opportunity to get vaccinated. It's, a, it's an underreported thing, I think, right now uh, in, in our space. Yeah, I think you're right. You bring up some some great um, ideas there. It's funny because a portion of what we do, we don't talk about in advance, right? So that we can actually discuss it here. And one of the top things I wrote down was safety as well and, and physical distancing of people and, and looking at the overall footprint of how you have people in your organization, right? And whether that's in a factory or, you know, it's, it's not always easy to add additional space, but that's going to be something too that falls under safety. Um, and you're right. I think, you know, you mentioned the, the mask mandates that are being lifted or that were non-existent. Um, as of today, when we record this, there are um, 16 states that say you do not have to wear a mask. Now, again, the caveat is that in certain you know, locations you do, and we've, we've really done some research to try and figure out you know, what can organizations do if you're in a state where the mask mandate has been lifted or there is no mandate. And again, you can have policies. Please check with your employment attorneys. This is when you're going to need them more than ever, right? But you can certainly, um, if you're in an at-will state, um, look at having policies around mask or not masking, right, in the workplace. But the main point is to just be thinking about that right now. I mean, it's, it's really important before you try bringing people back and putting them in those situations and then writing quickly. No, do it now before you have people back in the and, in the I, and I think, again, it's easy to think that this is all going to be ending soon and hopefully it will, but it's still not, hasn't ended yet. I watched, I, I'm not going to lie. I watched a video over the weekend of three or four employees at a bed, bath and beyond for God's sakes, right? A bed, bath and beyond store in, in a physical fight with customers that was related to masks. It wasn't directly, I'm not wearing a mask. It was two people in the line or something that were too close to each other, uh, two customers. And one mm -hmm. customer got mad at the other customer and they might've been a mask or not a mask. Anyway, these Bed Bath & Beyond, Trish, for God's sake, right? It's not Thunderdome, right? It's like the most docile environment that we'd ever begin. And these are frontline employees making whatever, $15 an hour, hopefully, if they're lucky, having to right. physically eject people from their store under threat of harm. It's crazy. So that's a huge issue to me. And then I have one more real quick, I think we can talk about briefly, and then I think we probably should devote a whole show on it, which is for the non- kind of frontline workers, the non-shift, the non-hourly workers, right? Where a lot of people listen to this podcast are kind of remote workers can do their work wherever. The whole kind of continuum of whether your organization is going to bring everybody back into a physical office 
or is going to say we're work from home or work from anywhere, everybody forever, that whole continuum from 100% office to 0% office and everything in between. That's going to be, I think, one of the bigger issues in the second half of this year and maybe even into 2022. I've been following that one really closely as well. Lots of really high profile companies. Twitter's a really good example of one. They have decided we're, we're work from wherever, forever. We're, we're kind of done. Fast forward to last week, the CEO of Goldman Sachs very publicly said, oh, we got to bring people back in. I need the traders back in the office, right? Let's get them back in here now, right? And then most companies are somewhere in between, but but trying to figure that out, where you need to be along that continuum, how that applies in your organization, to whom that applies to, will it create two different tiers or categories of employees? I've read some really interesting data that suggests the people who show up into the office They'll have better access to the execs because the execs want to be in the office and they'll get FaceTime and they'll get promoted or they'll get better projects, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And the people who work from home won't. So I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but that's a huge issue. And it's not a trivial one at all. I don't think Trish, that's a very important one for organizations to consider. I agree. I agree. We don't know. And, but just based on sort of how things worked in the world before you're right, anyone who had FaceTime with executives and you know, got to be there typically did get kind of the nod and more remembered for some of the better assignments and in a work setting. So you're right. That's a big thing. I think also just considering when you're bringing people back, whether they're still remote or whether they are in your office or your factory or wherever now, um, schools are going through the same thing. And we may see kind of a roller coaster is what I'm predicting. Um, you know, my kids are in a situation we're here in the middle of America. You can go back, uh, two days a week, if you choose for a half day, and, and they're kind of rotating who gets to do that, or you can still be remote. Well, as of March 15th, everyone is going to be expected to be back at school five days a week for like um, three quarters of a day, I would call mm-hmm. it roughly. And you can do full remote if you have a really good reason to do full remote. So again, this will be interesting to see okay, do cases spike up, right? Because now all the parents are going to plan on everybody going back in these hybrid models. Well, that might work for a while and maybe a month later it spikes or something. And then we have to go back the other direction. So I would just say this, when you are sitting down and planning it for your workplace, make sure that you are building in enough flexibility for those situations to happen because it's bound to happen. So while normally my motto, I think my whole career has been assume the best, about whatever it is you're dealing with here. I want you to actually assume the worst when you're planning, because if it never happens, that's fine, but you do need to make sure you have some backup plans for that. And to not, you know, to not make your employees feel like they can't take care of their family in the way that they need to, if that does pop up again in the area they live in. Yeah, I think it's really important. And I think there was a really interesting piece that came out a little while back from our friend, Gene Meister came out on HBR (laughs) And uh, I'm pulling it up right now. So I apologize for the slight delay, but uh, it's called 21 HR jobs of the future. And one of the jobs in here is, or one of them is kind of related to kind of, oh yeah, it's called future of work leader. But if you dig into the details, it's getting into a lot of these issues about having someone in HR really understanding deeply how the organization should work, how people, uh, what people's needs are in the organization with respect to say remote work versus in-person work, 
the collaboration needs inside the organization and how will the organization kind of getting their important work done, how can that best be uh, fulfilled, but also aligned with what people really need and want and what they say that they need, and also understanding that these are dynamic things, right? Uh, it's a super article. Maybe we should put a link into it in the show notes as well about yeah, let's uh, link to that. about I thinking think too, thinking Steve, about that more broadly because no one really did that before the pandemic. No one really in the organization overall had that job. It, d- decisions true. about room working from home or telecommuting one or two days a week. You talk to your manager about it, and if he or she said it was okay, then it was okay. That and that's pretty much as far as it went. No, I agree, and I think this is also we're talking about things that. HR leaders can be doing with their other leaders in the organization to partner on these things. Now's the time to look at those workflows, right? We're always trying to figure out when should we update our workflows? When should we, well, right now, when you're talking about people at home, because I'm sure if you have a majority of your employees at home right now, you've already shifted your workflows that direction. You might need to make some adjustments as you come back. So just one of those other things that like you're saying, it's really the perfect time to do that you know, in these next couple months, as we start to see more vaccinations and starting to see like how effective they are, we still don't know how long those will last, for example. So a lot of what ifs. And again, back to what you mentioned earlier about kind of dealing with the lack of information or quickly changing information and just the unknown. So yeah, it gives you some concrete steps to take in the meantime, which I think is always helpful. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, Trish, I think we're going to let this go for now. We'll, uh, it's good to look back a little bit, but more importantly, looking forward. And that's what I'm trying to do as well. And uh, hopefully as uh, things get better around the country and around the world, uh, we'll, we'll get closer and closer back to where we want to be, knowing we're not going back to where we came from, though. I think that's the bottom line. But uh, super to look back, yeah, Trish. Uh, this was fun. I agree. Yes. And I think my final prediction, right, last, last time I, I said a year, at least, I think I'm going to say six more months, six more months of, of pretty heavy thought leadership coming out around how this all needs to work. I agree. Back on the show a year ago, I said, I wanted this to end handshaking for good. That was one of my hopes. (laughs) And I hope it has. We are never going back to handshaking. Don't even get me started on hugging. That's out. So hugging is out, huh? This was your, you've been looking for the hugging to be out. I know for a while. So there you go. All right. Good stuff, Trish. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to our friends at paychecks and work human, of course, for their help and support. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, check out all the shows, hrhappyhour.net. We will see you soon and bye for now.